All right. So last week we started a new series. We're calling "I Believe." I told you we're uh, it's going to be a little bit more like Sunday school for a little while, where we're going through a series that's going to help us construct a, a Christ-centered theological framework. Uh, and so this series might be a little bit more intellectual, it might be a little bit more on the theological, a little bit less immediately practical, but I think in the long run it's going to give us a framework and a foundation to think about things theologically. Um, it's going to help us with some of the, the big picture stuff. And so since I told you that this is a little bit like Sunday school, I thought that we would start today with a pop quiz based on last week's sermon. So don't worry, we're not, you're not going to be graded on this. This is just, to, just for review. So let's start out. What is theology? Anybody? Study of God. Very good. Okay. Who does theology? Everybody. Anybody who ever says anything about God is doing theology. The question is not if we do it, but if we do it well. How can we study God? Revelation. You guys were paying attention. It just warms my little pastor heart. Revelation. We can study God because God has to reveal God's self to us. God can't be weighed. He can't be measured. Can't look at God under a microscope. God has to reveal God's self. All right, going to get a little bit more tricky now. What are the two main sources of re- uh, the what are the sources of revelation? Two main categories. General Special, gosh, I'm so proud right now. General revelation and special revelation. Very good. Okay, this is going to be a little bit trickier because I didn't ask you this specifically last week, but what are the primary sources of revelation for Christians? There you go. The Scripture and Jesus. Scripture and Jesus, you guys are so good. I'm just, man, my professor, my theology professors would be so proud of you. Okay, so Scripture and Jesus are the two main sources of revelation for Christians. Uh, so that leads us to a question that we began to look at last week. Where do we start? Where do we start? There have been theologians who have started all sorts of different ways uh, throughout history. Uh, I'm going to make a case today and moving forward that the best place to start when we do Christian theology is with Jesus. We start with Jesus. Jesus is a unique source of God's self-revelation. That may raise a question for you. I say we should start with Jesus. You might ask, well, Thomas, but why? Why would we start with Jesus? Why wouldn't we start with Genesis, you know, in the beginning of the Bible? Why wouldn't we start with nature? Well, here is why. Because Jesus is the clearest and most complete self-revelation of God. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is the clearest and most complete self-revelation of God. These other sources of revelation teach us some things about God, but they don't give us as clear or as complete a picture of what God is like as Jesus himself. And so to to demonstrate this for you, to sort of prove my point, we're going to begin in the Gospel of John. So John was one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, he followed Jesus around from you know anywhere from six months to three years. Scholars debate the the timeline there, but uh, and then later, as John was 
getting ready, you know, knew that his time was coming to an end, wanted to leave something behind that would help people come to know the Jesus that he had followed and given his life proclaiming. So he wrote the gospel, what we call the gospel of John. And in the gospel, he says he writes these things so that we can believe, that we can know that Jesus is the Son of God. So in the beginning of John's gospel, he tells us something specifically about Jesus that's going to that's gonna help make this point that Jesus is the clearest and most complete self-revelation of God. So we're going to begin in John chapter 1, verse 17, verses 17 and 18. Here's what John says. He says, The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So we're going we're gonna to break this down a little bit. John says that the law indeed was given through Moses, right? So the law was what? It was revelation. The law was God's revelation to the people of Israel given through the prophet Moses. It was God's plan for Israel at that time. You might be familiar with the story, the Exodus story. Maybe you've seen the movie with Charlton Heston. You know, you got Israel in, in slaves as Egypt, and God brings them out through this series of signs and miracles. And then they're gathered together there at, the, at Mount Sinai, and there's all the, the thunder and lightning and fire, and, and God gives them the law through Moses. And the law was revelation. It was intended to help Israel see who God was and what God had required of them. What God, and it was this idea of covenant. God says, okay, I have rescued you from Egypt. This is the God that I am. I'm the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have rescued you from Egypt. I have done my part. Now this is what I expect you to do. And so the law helped Israel understand a little bit about who God was and what God was like. But was the law the final revelation of God? No. It wasn't. It was, it was a revelation of God for a particular group of people at a particular time. But those of you who are Christians, now do we still keep the law as Christians? We don't. We don't. There are aspects of the law that carried over, but something else has happened since the giving of the law. John tells us this. He says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Paul will tell us at some other point in, in his letter to the Galatians that the law was sort of a placeholder. It was sort of a tutor or a schoolmaster to, to, to help bring things along until God could bring about his, his, the culmination of his plan, which had always been Jesus. So grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What John is saying is, is the law was good. The law came from God through Moses. It was good. But now something new has come. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John goes on to elaborate. He says, no one has ever seen God. Now you think about this, and those of you who have read the Bible before, you're like, well, I mean, God seems to have shown up to people previously. Uh, he seems to have shown up to Abraham. He seems to have shown up to, to Moses in the burning bush and other areas. What does it mean that no one has seen God? What John is saying here is no one has truly grasped what God is really like. Everything before Jesus, John tells us, Everything before Jesus was, was an incomplete revelation of God. It, it was true, but it was only a part of the picture. It wasn't the fullness of who God was. So what John is saying is no one has really seen God in all of its fullness before now. 
Then he goes on. He says, it is God, the only Son, referring to Jesus, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. In other words, Jesus has made known God in a unique and complete way. Uh, the, the Greek word that's translated made him known here is actually the same word that we get uh, the word exegesis from. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the word exegesis. Okay, some of you have, most of you have an exegesis. If you read theology books and biblical study books, exegesis is the process of explaining the scriptures, right? So when somebody interprets the Bible, they, they explain the context, like, sort of like I'm doing to you, that's exegesis. It's an explanation or an interpretation of an idea or of a text. And so what, what John is saying here is that Jesus is the one who exegetes God. Jesus is the one who explains God, the one who interprets God, the one who shows us what God is really like. So we have the law, and the law was good, but the law was not complete, right? That's why I think, as Christians, it's better to start with Jesus than it is to start with Genesis. Because if we start in Genesis, we learn true things about God, but we don't realize that maybe we're going to learn new things or updated things about God when Jesus comes along. Uh, we looked at this scripture last week, John chapter 14. Uh, John was talking with his disciples. They were asking about uh, the, the, how do we know the way to the Father? Jesus, just show us the Father. And, and Jesus responds to his disciples, and he said this. He said, if you know me, you will know my Father also. Whoever has seen me has seen who? The Father. So what, what Jesus is saying is like, look, if you want to know what God is like, look at me, this is Jesus' own words. He says, I have come to help you understand who God is and what God is like. Uh, we're going to turn now to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews was written, uh, we don't know exactly by who, but it was written by a Jewish believer in Jesus to other Jewish believers in Jesus. And the entire point of the book of Hebrews is to demonstrate how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that was in the Old Testament. How Jesus is, is better than everything that was in the Old Testament, the fulfillment of it, and a better version of it all. And so the author of Hebrews, we think that maybe the book of Hebrews began as a as a sermon in the first century. So the, the author of Hebrews, or whoever wrote this sermon, it introduces it this way. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. They say this. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. So the, the author of Hebrews is talking about previous versions of Revelation. Right? Earlier scriptures, so you have the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Moses and all these different prophets who, who God used to speak to the people of God in lots of different ways. Right? Sometimes they spoke and sometimes they wrote and sometimes they acted out scenes in a dramatic way. All of these were different ways inspired by God to communicate aspects about God to God's people at various times throughout history. And so that's why when we talk about our Old Testament, we talk about the Hebrews, we, we talk about these things as revelations of God. God was speaking. We believe that in, the, in what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, we believe that God is speaking. Those, those are true revelations of God. But they're, they're not complete revelations of God. Here's what the author of Hebrews goes on to say next. So we have long ago, 
God spoke to our ancestors in many ways, many and various ways by the prophets, but, he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by what? A son. Long ago, we have these ways. They're in our scriptures. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the worlds, and then this is, this is amazing. He says, he, referring to Jesus, this son, referring to Jesus, he is the reflection of God's glory. Say this next part with me. The exact imprint of God's very being. Jesus is a reflection of God's glory. The exact imprint of God's very being. In other words, what the, the author of Hebrews is saying is that if you want to know what God is like, Look at who? Jesus. He's not saying that all the other ways that the prophets had spoken in the, in the past were bad. He's just saying that now we have a new, more complete understanding of what God is like. And, and, and we understand this in human terms, right? We, uh, if, if you go to med school now, they're not going to teach you medicine out of a, a, a anatomy book or a medicine book from several centuries ago, right? We've learned more about medicine than we have in previous centuries. And so when you go to learn about medicine, you don't always... The, the history is important, right? We're, we're, we're happy to know the history. We're happy to know what led to that development, but that's not what is authoritative for us now. What's authoritative now is the newest, most up-to-date information. Well, that's in a way, that's how Jesus functions in terms of, of revelation. What was spoken before was true. When you read through the Old Testament, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of those, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, those are true. That, that was God speaking. But it was speaking in part and to a particular people until God could reveal himself most fully in Jesus when the time was right. And the rest of the book of Hebrews, if you read through the book, it's all about the, the author comparing and contrasting Jesus with the old ways of the Old Testament. So Jesus is a better priest. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better prophet than Moses. In every single category, Jesus is superior and Jesus is better. And Jesus is this, this final and complete self-revelation of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Colossians. He says this. He says, Jesus is the image of what? The invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In other words, the invisible God, through the incarnation, we're told in John, put on flesh. And when we look at Jesus, we see most clearly and most completely what God is. Is like. This is why we start with Jesus. So here's the bottom line. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Let's say that together. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Start with Jesus. You can read better than I can. <laughs> if you want to know what God is like, start with Jesus. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> but Thomas, everything you just taught us about Jesus came from 
The Bible. Everything you just taught us about Jesus came from the Bible. So don't we need to start with the Bible before we can start with Jesus? I'm going to say no. Here's why. It's not quite that simple. And I'm going to tell you something here. We don't believe the stories about Jesus are true just because they're in the Bible. Track with me here. We don't believe the stories about, uh, about Jesus are true just because they're in the Bible. We believe the stories about Jesus are in the Bible because they are true accounts of what actually happened in history. We believe the stories about Jesus are in the Bible because they are true accounts of what actually happened in history. Now, if that seems a little confusing, I'll give you some examples here. Raise your hand if you have a birth certificate. Okay. What came first, you or your birth certificate? Your birth, no, you, somebody tricked me. You came first. You came first. Your birth certificate is a document documenting an event that happened in history. Your birth, right? So I don't believe that you exist because of your birth certificate. Now, the DMV is another story. I believe you exist because you're here, right? And I believe that your birth certificate exists because you exist. How many of you read the newspaper? What comes first, the newspaper or the events that the newspaper reports? The events, right? That the newspaper reports events that already happened. Being in the newspaper isn't what makes an event true. Does that make sense? So, so what we have, Jesus existed in the flesh before anything was ever written about him that got included in our Bible. The documents that we have, that, we, that have been included in our Bible, right? We have a Bible. It has a front cover and a back cover and all of, you know, a bunch of pages all bound together. But it wasn't written that way. You may know this, you may not. When John wrote his gospel, it wasn't immediately just added to a Bible. John wrote a gospel. Now, we still believe through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But John wrote his gospel as an independent document for an independent community to document what he had seen and heard in the life of Jesus. So what came first, Jesus' life or what John wrote about it? Jesus' life. Same with Luke. Luke tells us that he investigated carefully. Luke was an investigative journalist. Luke tells us he investigated the sources carefully so that we could believe with certainty the things that we've heard about Jesus. And Luke wrote his gospel, wrote his document to an audience long before it was ever included in the Bible. Okay, We had all of these separate documents. Paul was writing letters to churches about Jesus long before those letters were ever collected and bound together in a book that we call the Bible. Right, And so one of the things, and we're going to get into this in more depth next week, but I'm going to preview it for you now. We can trust these documents 
as historically reliable documents about what actually happened in history, even if we don't believe that they're divinely inspired. Now, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because there's lots of people... As we, share our, as we share our stories, we tell about why we believe in Jesus. There's lots of people out there who don't believe that the Bible is inspired by God. Just like most of you probably don't believe that the Quran is the literal word of God. So if I were to appeal to, if somebody were to appeal to the Quran as the word of God, that wouldn't carry much authority with you because you don't believe it's the word of God, right? Well, there are people out there who don't necessarily believe that the Bible is the Word of God. But they do believe in history. Most of them believe in, in, in the practice of history, in historically reliable information. And so we can believe things about Jesus, not just because it's in the Bible, We can believe things about Jesus because we can believe it really happened in history. That the Gospel of Matthew, before it was in the Bible, was a a true account of a historical person named Jesus, the things that he said. And and here's why this is important. There are non-believing scholars. There are historians and scholars who don't believe in, in God, don't believe in the supernatural, who still believe that Jesus really existed, who still believe that the stories that we have in the Gospels are generally reliable accounts of what Jesus said and what Jesus did. In other words, you'll have people who will say, well, you only believe that because it's in the Bible. And we can say, no, 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 no. I, it's, it's better than that. I believe it because I have multiple eyewitness accounts, historical accounts of what really happened. And so we can start our theological journey with Jesus. We can can lay our theological foundation with Jesus even if we don't believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now, I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I believe, like Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy, that it was given by inspiration of God, that the scriptures we have were given by inspiration of God. But my point here is that we don't have to believe that because they are documents that documented an event. Believe it or not, when Peter preached his first sermon on the day of Pentecost... He didn't have a New Testament. There was no Gospel of Matthew or Gospel of Mark or Gospel of John. Peter just talked about what he had seen and heard and experienced. So there was an entire generation of Christians who believed in Jesus before there was a Bible as we know it today. There was... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the letters of Paul, that that whole collection, it wasn't bound together as a single collection for several hundred years. All of the documents that we have in the New Testament, they weren't written until about A.D. 70 at the latest. 
Some scholars think even later than that. I think there's good reason to believe they were written earlier than AD 70. But the point is, is that there were these people who believed in Jesus before any of them ever had a Bible as we know it today. Now, they referred to the Hebrew Scriptures, but even then, not a, it, it, it wasn't like you could go out and own a copy of the Scriptures unless you were really, really rich. Right? They didn't have Bibles that they carried around with them. So Christianity began... Not with a book, but Christianity began with a person, the person of Jesus and the events of his life. And because, as we've seen, that he reveals, so, so why start with Jesus and not with Genesis, right? Because Genesis predates Jesus, the, the book of Genesis came about before Jesus, because everything in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, was pointing toward what would happen in Jesus. Like I said, Paul talks about what happened in the Old Testament as, as a placeholder, as a tutor, as, as intermediary steps until God could reveal himself most clearly in Jesus. So as Christians, following the events of Jesus, we begin, I believe, the, the case I'm going to make, we begin with Jesus because Jesus is the clearest expression of God. And then from Jesus, we can go back and look at God's revelation in the Old Testament and, and see how it pointed toward but was incomplete what Jesus came to reveal. And, and this is going to get important. This is going to become important when we start talking about things, because as we as we're going to see, there are things about Jesus that that God reveals through Jesus that seem to maybe contradict things that God revealed about God's self in the Old Testament. Right? I'll give you one example. As Christians, we're called to love our enemies. Right? In the Old Testament, sometimes God's people killed their enemies. That seems like it might be contradictory. But in Jesus, we can understand how what happened previously pointed toward but was incomplete what Jesus fully came to reveal about Jesus. Jesus is the clearest and most complete of God's self-expressions. Everything else is still true. We can still learn about God through nature. We can still learn about God through the Old Testament scriptures. But what they, what they teach us about God are, are sort of veiled. It's, uh, the, the, what the writer of Hebrews uses is a shadow. They were a shadow of things to come. So um, to give you an example, you can look at a shadow of something and get a pretty decent idea of what that thing is through the shadow, but you don't understand it completely until you look at it in the light. Right? Jesus is the light who came to reveal most completely and most clearly what God is like. So if we want to know what God is like, we start with Jesus. And we start with Jesus because the stories about Jesus aren't, we don't believe the stories about Jesus are true because they're in the Bible. We believe the stories about Jesus are in the Bible because they're true accounts of what actually happened in history. And so next week, I'm going to take you through a class in apologetics. That doesn't mean I'm going to teach you how to apologize, right? Um, apologetics is the, is the practice of defending and explaining a belief. So I'm going to explain to you next week, I'm going to give you tools next week to help you understand and help you explain to others why we can believe the events about Jesus are true, even if we don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God 
or divinely inspired. It'll, it'll, it'll help us as we share our faith, especially in a culture that tends to value facts and history more than it tends to value supernatural things of the supernatural and the divine. And, and it's going to be a way, we're going we're to start shifting our language. We're going to be talking about this in a way that will help our culture where it is come to grasp and understand Jesus and who he was. And from there, then we can continue to build the rest of our theological house on the solid foundation of Jesus who really existed, who really taught what he taught, who really was the clearest expression of what God is like. So, so if this seems a little confusing for you, hold on, okay? Uh, you set up an appointment, ask questions, uh, come back next week. As we talk about this, this is, this is going to be a bit of a shift maybe in the way that we think about things, but in the long run, I think it's going to be really, really helpful for us personally, as well as helpful for us as we share our faith and explain what we believe to people in the current culture. So come back next week as I help you understand why we can believe that the stories about Jesus in these documents are historically reliable accounts of what actually happened. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us for making yourself known in a way that we can see and grasp and understand. Thank you for reaching out to us to teach us who you are. Thank you for revealing yourself in nature. That as we're in creation, we have a sense of a creator. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through the prophets of old and their scriptures. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us most clearly and most completely in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can know, that we can trust, that we can believe that you are who Jesus says that you are. That you are a kind and compassionate, loving, heavenly father who desires to be in relationship with your people. Thank you, God, for your revelation. May we trust it, and may it transform us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.